Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. All right, this just in. Heroic dad punches shark to save daughter. Happy Father's Day on that one. This is a true story. Any dad would put himself in danger to save the child, to save his child. But a North Carolina dad proved he's truly a hero. When Charlie Winter's 17-year-old daughter Paige was attacked by a shark at Fort Macon State Park's Atlantic Beach, he sprang into action. Winters punched the shark five times, fighting off the predator and ultimately saving his daughter's life. Family friend Brandon Bursch described the frightening attack. They were standing in waist-deep water and chatting, and then Paige suddenly got pulled under. Winters quickly reacted by punching the shark repeatedly. Charlie wouldn't stop until it released his little girl, Bursch continued. He lives for his children. Winter's quick response is likely due to his experience as a firefighter and paramedic, which allowed him to know to apply pressure to Paige's wounds and was able to remain calm. Paige is alive today because of her father, Bursch said. Paige was airlifted to Greenville's Vidant Medical Center 80 miles away where she had emergency surgery and unfortunately lost her leg. Paige has more surgeries upcoming, but she's really optimistic, Burst said of the teen's recovery. As soon as Paige woke up at the hospital, she made a comment how about, about how she doesn't have any animosity towards sharks and she still loves the sea. This was hardly the first time Charlie stepped in to save a life. In 2013, he rescued a then two-year-old boy from a burning home. Charlie is the bravest man I know, Burst said of his friend. Wow. Happy Father's Day. I, that's, a, that's a hero dad. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's impressive. That's impressive. Open your Bibles to 2 Timothy Chapter number two. Second Timothy chapter number two. We're going to look at a couple of verses in Second Timothy, then we're going to be jumping around this morning. The Bible says, Second Timothy chapter two, verse number six, the husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say. And the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Let's bow our heads and ask the Lord to help us all. Father God, help us to receive your word, to receive it with thanksgiving. We thank you, Lord, that we have a Bible that we can read, believe. We ask your blessing over the proclamation of your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's first look at a word here we'll define, husbandmen is a farmer or a tiller of the ground, can be also known as the head of the house. But the husbandmen, uh, as a farmer, they cultivate, they plant seed, they water. 
And after they do all that and weed some more, they can expect a harvest. If they don't labor, it would be foolish for a farmer, or it would be foolish for a husbandman to expect fruit. And this is a reminder from Paul to Timothy, and it's a reminder to me, it's a reminder to you that labor first, reward comes second. It's never backwards. Paul's saying to Timothy, look, you'll be the first to enjoy them, the fruits of your labor. You and I will be the first to enjoy them, the fruits of our labor, but you can't not labor and expect fruit. In all aspects of life, we see this principle of sowing and then reaping. A soldier we saw earlier in the passage has to endure hardness. An athlete we see is crowned after what? He strives lawfully. There's laboring first. A Christian could want all the eternal rewards, but he doesn't want to do any of the labor down here that would be for the Lord. It's labor first, reward second. Guess what we as dads want? We want all the fruit. We want the rewards. We do. We want the love of our children. We want the respect of our children. We want the admiration of our children. But a lot of times us dads get stuck in, we want all the fruits, we want all the rewards, and we fail to get involved with the labor. The labor. So let's consider what the Bible says. In verse number 7, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. So let's see if we can get some understanding. A couple of things. Fathers must labor in a few things. Let's get Ephesians chapter 6 and Colossians chapter number 3. Ephesians chapter 6 and Colossians chapter number 3. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 4. The Bible says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Get Colossians chapter 3, verse number 21. We'll answer why. Colossians 3, 21. Why? Fathers... Provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. We've got to work on that. Provoke, 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 provoke. Guess what the result is? Well, Colossians 3 tells us they're going to be discouraged. Wouldn't you? You're constantly being provoked by somebody. You're going to, that person is going to get angry. That person is going to get not going to appreciate it. We got to work on not going down that route. If your first response is to yell and to scream and to take a fit and to throw something, Dad you got a problem. I've got a problem. 
Yelling is not the new spanking. <laughs> I don't want to take the time. I don't want to take the effort. I don't want to get my heart right. I don't want to... We just yell, 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 yell. And then when it comes time to yell, it don't work. Watch out for the car! Well, kid's used to you yelling. He just tunes you out. We don't want to provoke. Dads don't want to provoke. All right, Ephesians chapter 5. Keep your finger in uh, Colossians. Ephesians 5, verse number 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Why? That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Why? That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. We're not holy. We're not without blemish. We need the Lord's help. We make mistakes. We need the Lord's help. Christ gave his life for the church. Husbands, that's how we're to love our wives. Colossians 3. Why do we do that? Why do we love our wives? Husbands, love your wives. Love your wives. That's who we're commanded. God doesn't tell the wives to love the husband. They don't have to love you. I'm just reading the Bible. Amen? Can anybody say amen? That's what the Bible says. My wife doesn't love me. God never told her to love you. It says, husbands, love your wives. Why? And be not bitter against them. If you don't love your wife, there's going to be bitterness that's going to grow. Look, it would grow in any relationship. And look, we can use the principle that, of course, a wife should love her husband. But God never says it in the Bible. He commands the husband to love his wife. So you love her. So there's no bitterness that grows. You can either be bitter against her or you can love her. God says, I'm going to give you a choice. If you take my way, it's the better way. If you take your way and you get bitter about this or that, the other thing, then take all that bitterness, go to Lowe's and spend all your money and be broken bitter. <laughs> what's, be <laughs> what's worse than being bitter? Well, being broken bitter. And then when you can't pay the bill, now you got a bad attitude. So I guess there is something worse than being broken, bitter. Bitter, broken. Now you got a bad attitude on top of it. Just love her. And you know what's going to happen? Fathers, the children see that. And they have that as an example to look to. Psalm chapter 127. Psalm 127, things we need to labor in. 127, verse number 3, the Bible says, Lo, children are an inheritance of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His, what? Reward. 
As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. I want a reward. Do you? I want to be a mighty man. If you're a man, do you? Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. I want to be happy. I want to be a happy man. I want to be a mighty man. I want a reward. We want all those things. You got to be willing to fight for it. We got to be able to willing to labor for it. Just fruit's just not going to drop down. Life doesn't work that way. You know what a quiver is? It's where the arrows are kept. That's where you put the arrows. Any fighter feels secure when he has the proper ammunition. Any police officer feels secure when he has a magazine full of bullets, not a magazine that's empty of bullets. Every hunter feels secure when he has his quiver full of arrows, where he has his rifle and he has ammunition to put into that rifle. No hunter goes out with no ammunition. We want the security that the ammunition brings. You know what fathering is a lot of? Laboring, preparing, so that you have your children that can actually do something effective for their family, for the Lord's service, for their job, or just fill in any area of life so they can function. Everybody has excuses. But we shouldn't. It's easy for dads to make excuses why their children can't speak up for truth. Why their children fear the enemy, can't stand up to the enemy. Why they can't speak with biblical persuasion. And it's hard to distinguish yourself from the world today. I mean, we all have an excuse. Guys are good at that. <laughs> I'm a guy, I know. <laughs> we make excuses. Adam. If only my situation was better. Well, let's look at Adam. His situation, he had the perfect environment. He had the perfect example. His only example was God. And you know what he did? He blew it. And plunged the whole world into sin. He had the perfect example. All he had to do was follow God. And he ends up with a son who's a murderer. Happy Father's Day. That takes away our excuse. Now look, how about Noah? How about Noah? He had a horrible situation. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, verse number 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That was the environment Noah lived in. Evil all around him didn't affect him. Wicked living, he wasn't interested. And he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And God himself says, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. 
Do you got evil all around you, Dad? Do you got evil all around your work? Deal with it. The way God would have you deal with it. Get your eyes fixed on Him, your thoughts fixed on Him. Perfect environment, not perfect environment. What's your heart? All right, one more. Get 2 Chronicles and 2 Kings. 2 Chronicles 34. And 2 Kings 23. Josiah. You know what Josiah does? He wipes out all the idols, all the carved images, all the molten images. He breaks down the altars of Balaam. He makes dust of them. And then you know what he does? He goes and he sprinkles all that onto the graves of those who sacrifice to those gods. Woo! That's my kind of king. That's my kind of man right there. Well, he's a fanatic. I don't know. I don't know. He, you know what his father? He was a wicked king. He was an adulterous king. Well, I can never do anything for God. My father was wicked. My father was idolatrous. That's not what Josiah said. That's not what Josiah did. Then when Josiah dies, his fourth son, Jehoahaz, takes the throne, and he's wicked. He's got a wicked father, and then the son that took the throne after him is wicked, but Josiah wasn't. Well, my dad, that's why. No, it's not because of your dad. Josiah takes that excuse out from under your feet. It's not, dads, I can't live right because my son is living so wicked. No, it's not your son. It's you and your heart before your God. Look what it says. Here's what Josiah did. 2 Chronicles 34. 2 Chronicles 34, verse 2. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Now flip back to 2 Kings 23. And look what it says about Jehoahaz. 2 Kings 23, verse number 32. Verse number 31, Jehoahaz was 20 and 3 years old when he began to reign. Verse 32. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. How are you going to explain that? Each man, each father has to do what's right before the Lord. It's his choice. How do we do that, dads? I don't have all the answers, but the Bible does. And I don't get it right all the time, but God does. So I'm going to try to give us dads, and this can be for everybody, some three key things that we can do to be better biblical fathers. Who wants, if you're a dad, I, I'm sure you would want to agree to that. Number one, make connection. Labor first, reward second. 
You got to be able to labor in this. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter number 2. 1 Samuel chapter number 2. Let's look at an example. Eli. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse number 12. Let's look at Eli's sons. Verse number 12 says, Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. Verse number 17, look what it says. Wherefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Let's see what their father said. Eli's response, verse 22. Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel, and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said unto them, Why do you such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. Looks what happened. Verse 25. End of the verse. Look what it says. Notwithstanding, they hearken not unto the voice of their father. Eli was successful. Eli was successful in his work. Eli was successful in his ministry as a priest. Eli was not successful as a father. He labored as a priest. He labored when he was ministering. You know what he forgot to labor in and make the connection with? His two boys. And we see the result. Here's, here's the connection. Here's the connect. It's simple. It's so simple us dads miss it. You want to be a successful father? Color with your kids. Buy some coloring books and pick up a crayon or a crown, however you say, and color. Take them out when you run errands. We went to Lowe's early in the morning. Grabbed one of the youngins. We went and we had to buy something. Went and did. Take them with you to run some errands. Get a ball bat. Get a ball glove. Go out in the backyard. Have at it. Throw the football. Throw the football around. Make some connection. Work with them rather than tell them go and work. Find a DIYer project. As long as the wife's not there to tell you you're doing it wrong. Right? All guys have to deal with that. That's nothing new. It does nothing new under the sun. As soon as you pick up a hammer, are you sure you want a hammer there? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I am. <laughs> but apparently you're not. Let's pack up the tools, kids. <laughs> Find a DIYer project. Get one of the youngins and let them help you out. Read. Get out a board game. Play a game with them. Take them out on dates. Breakfast dates. Let them order something. Let them pay. These are ways that you make connection as a father with your children. Forget about the expensive vacation to Europe or anything like that. Just notch out some time in your calendar and make the connection.
most problems in homes would be solved by that one adjustment. That means you're going to have to tell the boss, I'm not working overtime. That means you're going to have to tell the boss, I got to get home after work. I can't go have a drink with the boys. That means you're going to have to tell the buddies, look, Friday night, I've got some time i got to spend with the kids. Make the connection. Labor in that the same way that you would labor in your work or your job or your career. Labor in that. Now, this isn't a message to quit your job because then you'd be blowing it on that. I've got to work. You've got to work. We all have to work. I hope you see what I'm saying. Number two. Number two. Uh, lead. Lead. Get Proverbs 22. Lead. Labor first. Reward second. You can't coach from the sidelines as a father. You've got to lead the way. You don't just tell them how to do it. You step out and show them how to do it. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. If you think that means taking them to church and Sunday school, and that's training them up, you're just wrong. If you're a dad that's from the sidelines, shouting commands, you're not, they're going to go that way. That's the example that they're going to have. You've got to get off the lazy chair, pull your boots on, pull up your britches, and get on out there and get the boots muddy and have them follow you as you lead the way. You know, if dad speaks disrespectfully to mama, the children are going to have that example. If dad criticizes everybody, look, there's plenty of criticism to go around in today's day and age. But if he's critical of everybody, the children are going to have that example to follow. But you know what dad can do? He can Ephesians 5.25 his wife, and then children can have that example to follow. They have to make their own choice. But as dads... Shouldn't we try to do our best to make it easy for them to make the right choice? Isn't that what being a father is about? Do you want to just pick out your child's husband or wife for them? Or do you want to train them in such a way that they'll make a good choice? Do you want to pick out your child's church for them when they grow up? Or do you just want to train them right so that they can make a good choice? Everybody's going to have to make a choice, but as dads, shouldn't we make a connection with them, then go out and lead the way in righteousness so that when they get older, they have the example and we try to do our best to make it easy for them to make good 
choices. Number three. You ready for this one? Ephesians 6. Let's get back there. This is going to be a tough one. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 4. Let's read it again. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture. Well, that's a tough one, fellas. And admonition of the Lord. We like to admonish. You know, we're guys. Go around admonishing. But God commands the father to nurture. You know, it's easy for mamas to nurture. And do you know that it is nat it happens very naturally and organically when a child, the child's nurturing with their mother? Saved or unsaved, mothers by nature don't even have to be taught this. They're just going to love them and hug them. And... Does that make sense? Everybody get that? That's a mom thing. You don't need the Bible to learn that. You just see moms do that because that's how God created them. But isn't it interesting that the Bible tells fathers to nurture their children? Now, I'm not saying you do it like mamas do it. But God commands you to do that. Nurture means to nourish. It means to promote growth. It doesn't mean you're mommying them and being weird. But here's what I mean. Children are smart. I know because I was one. And I know because I've raised them and I've taught them and children are smart you know what they're going to do they're going to test dad they're going to test you and you don't even know you're being tested let me give you an example dad's always on the phone well you can't go like this you got to go like this now dads are always on the phone and they're on the phone in the morning, and then they're on the phone in the afternoon, and then they're on the phone when they get off of work. And you know what that child's going to do? In his head, or in her head, she's going to, or he's going to say, you know what? My dad is always talking on the phone. He doesn't have any time to talk with me. So when you're on the phone, guess what they're going to do? Hey, Dad, can I show you this? See, that child needs to be spanked because they're interrupting. That's what most people conclude. But you know what that child wants? That child wants to see if that phone is more important to you than them. And dad's on the computer. He's doing his work. He's printing out his stuff. He's doing all his thing. And that child's going to say, Hey, Dad! Uh, please don't bother me. You're interrupting. I want to complete my work. And you know what that child wants to know? 
Do you love that computer and do you love your work more than you love me? Should children be disciplined for being interruptive? Yes, they should. But we have to be careful as fathers that we don't wrongfully conclude that they're doing something for a reason that they're not doing it. And I'm telling you, too many Christian fathers, they run for that rod and they run for that discipline and they run for that admonish and they run for all that, but they fail to nourish and nurture that child. What if that child is just testing you to see if you love your job more than you love me? What if they're testing you to see if you love your buddies that you're on the phone with all the time more than you love me? Will you love me, Dad? Maybe, maybe we need to get better at nurturing. Maybe that's one of the keys to being a hero dad. Now, by no means am I winning the Father of the Year award. <laughs> uh, I've asked a lot of my family, and I certainly haven't knocked out any sharks. But I know, uh, I remember, I remember we had an outreach. We were doing ministry after ministry after ministry, which if you're into ministry, your wife and your children are going along doing ministry stuff with you. And they love doing it. Passing out tracts. And we went from one thing to the next to the next to the next. Life just got real busy. And we had some folks visit. And when people visit, what do you do? You entertain them. And you expect your kids to just tag along. And there's an element to life gets real busy. Guests come in. You're tending to them. And before you know it, you just forgot that you had two kids that you've asked a lot from over the course of a couple of weeks. We did a track distribution down, down at the park. And on the way, my son said to me, Dad, you said you were going to throw the football around with me for like three days now. Aren't we going to throw the football around? And at that moment, I realized, Eli, I'm successful doing the ministry. I'm successful doing the work of the ministry. And I realized, at least in that point in time, I failed as a father. So I said, you bet we're going to throw the football. And the other fellow or two that were with us, they passed out tracks. And you know what I did? I threw the football around with my kid. You're a preacher. You can't do that. No, I did. And I can. And I will. And that was a good choice. Now, you don't sacrifice ministry for the sake. You don't sacrifice your family at the altar of ministry. But at the same time, your family isn't God. So there needs to be a biblical balance now, someone can look at that situation and say, oh, that's a pre... Can you believe they're doing ministry and the preacher's throwing a football? Can you believe that? We're leaving this church. Or somebody with half a brain can realize 
That guy is doing the right thing. You think people will do that? No. Do you think I care? No. Because God has called me to be a father first. And if you're a father, He's called you to be a father first. Not an employee on the job first, although you have to work and be the best employee you can be. you got to get it in balance and perspective. Unless you're afraid what your work buddies say and you're afraid what your, what your peers think of you more than you are what your family and kids think of you. So many times we push them aside because ah, that's our kids. They'll understand. That's our wife. They'll understand. How come we don't say that with our job? Maybe sometimes we just got to give our job back to the devil and move on with life. Because if that job becomes an idol, the devil's got a stronghold on you. Now, this is coming from a preacher that works. I got no intention of taking any money from the church. I work. This is coming from a guy who's worked hard and has made... If anybody was a workaholic, it's me. I know what it's like to find things to do. And I'm certain all dads do. I'm saying we got to all reel ourselves in and we can do that by looking to Jesus Christ as we close as our perfect example. You know what he did? He made the connection so mankind can come into union with the Creator. He led by not coaching from the sidelines but coming down in 100% man, 100% God, and he led out in front, and he sacrificed his life so that others could live. He didn't punch out a shark. He created the shark. The connection needed, needed to be made because every single person on earth is an enemy of God. That connection had to be made. He was the perfect leader because he lived the perfect life. And he made a one-time perfect sacrifice. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Jesus Christ, the ultimate example, the perfect father who made the connection, who led out in front, who made the one-time sacrifice. I don't have a dad. You can have a heavenly father who won't make the mistakes that your daddy made. You can have a heavenly father that'll love you like no one else in the world can love you. He died for your sins and He wants you to be with Him when you die. Would you bow with me, please? Lord Jesus, we are thankful that You are our Heavenly Father. We're thankful that You made a way of salvation for every man. Lord, help us to be all the dad You would have us to be, to set a biblical example 
Help us, Lord, to labor first before we even can expect to partake in rewards. Help us, Lord. We need your help. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.